0: Dom, Noah, what's going on here? Well,
1: if I'm not mistaken, I can see you and I'm pretty damn sure that our viewers can see us.
0: I don't know what's going on here, but I think I like it.
1: I like it a lot.
0: (laughs) Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, episode number 100. That's right. We made it, triple digits, nine months and nine days from the day we started this podcast. Dominic, put them triple digits up. All right, good enough.
1: Good enough, right? I just hit the (laughs) shit out of my desk, by the way. Hopefully that didn't (laughs) wobble my camera. Mm
0: -hmm. So uh, how are you doing right now? I mean, this is a big, big moment for us. And uh, obviously for the viewers to see us right now, big things are brewing
1: yeah, man. I mean, we started this podcast, as you mentioned, almost nine months ago to the day, and we've steadily progressed. Uh, we've gotten a great audience, great feedback, great fans. And uh, it was really only a matter of time, right? This is the next step for any podcast that wants to succeed. And here we are with that next step going video for our YouTube viewers. I think it allows us to grow substantially on another platform. Obviously, our audio platforms have been booming lately, which is awesome. And it's all thanks to our supporters. Like I said, without them, none of this is possible. And I'm so excited for this next journey and this next step of the journey, I should say.
0: Yeah, that's a great, great point right there. Thank you to everyone who's stayed with us from day one when we were in a small little apartment with the air conditioning unit on. And here we are where I'm in a small little apartment with the air conditioning (laughs) off so that the sound doesn't bother you guys. But before we get any further... It's probably important that I uh, preface to our audio listeners, to those listening to us on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else where you can find audio podcasts. It's important to make you guys aware that we are now doing this as a video podcast on YouTube. So this is a simply simply, you're simply listening to the audio version of that video podcast available on YouTube, on our YouTube channel at Below Average Joe. So go check it out um, if you want to, try something new otherwise keep listening to the audio version either way appreciate the support but this is it seemed like the the most reasonable next step dom for us since youtube kind of you know obviously it allows you to do kind of a video format so it just seemed like the proper next step for us as we look to grow this thing to the next level right
1: Yeah, man, I mean, you couldn't have said it any better. It is the rightful next step, and it opens the door for so much more content in general. Obviously, we're a podcast at heart, but we have so many big ideas and plans for this show, and this is the next step to kind of open those doors. So it's awesome, man.
0: Now that you brought that up, I think it's appropriate that we kind of segue into talking a little bit about our content. You guys shouldn't notice too many changes Monday, Wednesday, Friday release schedule still going to be the same. Monday recaps of the Saturday events, Fridays previews of the Saturday events. Wednesday is going to be those special episodes. However, our previously scheduled episode for today was the classic pay-per-view review of UFC 100. That's not going to be happening just a little trickery for you guys because we're actually introducing a brand new segment on here. Something that I think you guys are going to be a big fan of is something that's going to become very a mainstay, if you will, on this channel. However, classic pay-per-view reviews for the least immediate future will be going away. They are going to be coming back. We're not just taking them away completely. I know a lot of you guys are big fans of those. I'm a big fan of that segment as well. And Dom is as well. But it's appropriate to do so because we're going to bring it back better than ever, and in order to do that, we kind of need to take the time to yeah. improve on some some things before we bring it back. So because of that, we didn't want to just take away content from you guys. That it doesn't. That's not very celebratory for the one hundred. That's not how the Joes do things. <laughs> so <laughs> we're introducing a brand new segment, like I said. And Dominic, what is that segment called?
1: The MMA. Reddit Roundtable. You have birthed this into existence, so the credit goes to you, my friend, and you you talked me into it, and I'm, I'm liking what I'm hearing here, and I'm excited uh, for the fans and our listeners to hear it and see it as well.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. So really what this concept is is exactly how it sounds. Uh, me and Dom going to be scouring the Internet, scouring Reddit, <laughs> even sometimes maybe some Twitter will be in yeah. there, things like that. Uh, we're looking for your guys' tweets, your guys' posts on Reddit, your comments on Reddit. We're looking for the most topical questions that are going on right now. You know, things. What are people really interested in talking about? What are people interested in learning more about? Um, what questions do people have? And we're taking those and we're going to put them here. And we're just going to give our takes on them, our thoughts on these topics that are prevalent in the community right now or just random questions that someone brought up in a Reddit chat. doesn't matter. I just think this is going to be really fun. And the hope here is that you guys our lovely audience will begin to send us in your own questions that you can do by either leaving a voice message. If you go to our link tree in the bios of our um, social media, whether you go to mine at N.T. Baker underscore on Twitter, Instagram, or you go to Dom's Twitter, Instagram at the 14, or you go to our podcast, Twitter, Instagram at B a J underscore MMA podcast. There you go. You get it right. Yeah. You (laughs) you go there. There's a link tree. There's a link there. If you want to go to the page to leave um, a voice message and you'll be featured on the podcast and we'll give our thoughts, or you can comment on our Instagram post or our Twitter, Send us a DM, whatever. If you know us, text us. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll put it on there. We'll give you credit if you want, or we'll keep it anonymous if you don't. Um, the hope is that at some point it's just gonna be a way for us to interact with you guys. But in the meantime, Reddit, Twitter, that's gonna be able to suffice, correct?
1: Of course. Hey, just <laughs> whatever you wanna do. We wanna, we really wanna hit now that we're video. The, taking this community to the next level, or interacting with you guys to the next level. And uh, yeah, this is a great way to really show it off here, this first portion of the MMA Reddit roundtable, my friend.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think it's just time to get into it. I think we do it right now. So we got 12 topics to talk about today. A baker's, <laughs> not, not quite a baker's dozen, <laughs> or just a regular dozen, but... I was so close, so close so, to give so to throw that pun in there. But regardless, twelve topics, two of them from Twitter, ten from Reddit. We're going to start with our Twitter post. Dom um, at Kingpin Large asks, "Who's the toughest of all time?" And he includes two pictures, one of the former middleweight champion Michael Bisping, and one. <clears throat> of a man who fought last Saturday night, Tony Ferguson. What are I mean, thoughts?
1: the Count versus El Kikui, the dangerous heavy-handed Brit versus the Mexican-American, Tony Ferguson, who's as tough as nails. Can we just give a tie? I mean, let's be honest. No, but uh, <laughs> these guys are as tough as they come. UFC veterans, too. I mean, Tony just had his, I think, 19th UFC fight. Michael Bisming has had close to 30. And uh, they've been through it all, especially Tony as of re- uh, recent. Because you look at their careers, Biz being catapulted into the UFC from the Ultimate Fighter, coached early on the Ultimate Fighter season against Dan Henderson, uh, but had a real back-and-forth career. I mean, he would have win streaks, but also a couple of losses that would take place. For Tony, he came in, lost one of his early fights with then went on a 12-fight tear, but now he's on a three-fight skid. Uh, Tony, of course, became an interim champ. Uh, Bisbing shocked the world and became the undisputed champ with a title defense. Again, these guys have been through the ringer. Some of the toughest battles we've seen in UFC history have taken place by both of these guys. I mean, I'm going to go Michael Bisbing, man, because he reached the absolute peak, the absolute epitome of the sport Tony right below him, but I got to go with the count. The journey it took Michael to get to that title shot, 26 UFC fights, unprecedented stuff outside of Charles Oliveira, of course. So uh, I think I'm going to go Michael Bisbing, man.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard to really – I don't know if there, there's really not a right or wrong answer to this one, and, um, I, you know, that's a good way to look at it. I think I'm going to look at it a different from a different perspective. I mean, for Michael Bisbing, this is a guy who got – head kicked in the face with the shin of TRT Vitor Belfort. Um, that's really what led to his him losing his eye post-fighting career. Um, the guy basically was fighting on one eye for the majority of his title run. While for Tony Ferguson, I mean, if you just look at this three-fight skid he's on, that tells you everything you need to know. You see the damage he took on the feet from Justin Gaethje, without ever being dropped. That fight was stopped with Tony on his feet. Follows that up with Charles Oliveira nearly snapping Tony's arm in half, never close to tapping. Mm. And then Benil Dariush last Saturday gets him in that um, what would you call it—a knee bar or a uh, shit? It was was everything—a heel heel hook and just twisting the shit out of his ankle and knee. he said his knee definitely popped. Oh, things yeah. like that. Tony still doesn't tap. He screams out in pain this time. Like it's he's Crazy, reaching man. the maximum threshold that a human can withstand pain wise. Still doesn't tap. So I mean, it's hard to put anybody over that. Man, Michael Bisping though is a tough guy. I mean, really, this this is like. 1A and 1B. I mean, that's why these two are being put up against each other. Yeah, right? they're a
1: tear in their, themselves, you know.
0: You know, if I believed that Michael Bisping fought with one eye, I would pick him. <laughs> but I don't believe that, even though he's kind of tried to kind of claim that at times. So I'm going to go with Tony Ferguson, even though it's a bit of recency bias because those three fights back-to-back-to-back to back to back over the past year uh, the guy took a lot of damage and never tapped, oh, yeah. never got dropped. Just for that, I'll, I'll give it to him.
1: I, I respect it, man. Again, like you said, these guys are 1A, 1B. I think that uh, a lot of us can agree on.
0: Mm-hmm. Then for our second Twitter question here, it comes from at Goat 69
1: Very nice, very nice.
0: This comes after Saturday's post-fight press conference. Is there any way to bet on who gets to ask the first question at a UFC press conference. If so, I'm betting the house. Dominic, for the people who don't know, who don't listen to the press conferences, can you explain this one?
1: MMA Junkie John, baby. John Morgan, (laughs) you can always count on that blue polo shirt to pop up and ask the first question Mm -hmm. at any pre- or post-fight press conference. What a legend. I mean, let's be honest. He's a part of Fight Week just as much as the fighters, just as much as Dana White. And uh, yes, I would bet a hefty sum of cash that he will always, at least for the foreseeable future, get the first question at any press conference. I couldn't agree more.
0: (laughs) I'm curious how he, does he have, does he always show up early or do now, is it just accepted that he's going to get the first question?
1: I think at this point it is essentially an unwritten rule of press (laughs) conferences for the UFC. And what's funny is that Dana's always like, all right, who has the first question? He knows who has the first question. Come on, Dana. You know.
0: Yeah, it's like every time. There's been a couple times where he's slipped on that, and he'll be like, all right, John. And he just it's just so funny. It gets me every time. But, yeah, I just thought that'd be a little fun one to throw in here, but we're going to kick it back to being a little serious. Ooh, rankings okay. Rankings were released today, Dominic, and uh, the lightweight division in particular was on display. Obviously, a lot of movement, a new champion, crown Saturday, big co-main event. Il Dariush climbed six spots all the way from number nine to number three in the rankings. Yes. Now, on Reddit, Mia305Heat underscore asked, who's next for Benil?" Now, I know we gave our thoughts on who would be next for him on Monday. Yeah. But I feel now that these rankings have come out, and I think he's a little bit higher than both of us would have predicted. Does that change our original picks for him or not?
1: You know, I was, I'm i shocked but not shocked at the same time. I don't know. I didn't expect a six-spot jump just because of how stacked this division is, even without Benil. Uh, but I think that seven-fight win streak really got taken into account here. And you it shows how much a win over Tony still means in this stacked division, and I think that's kind of the biggest thing. Uh, you look at the only other guy with a win streak even close is that the now champion in Charles Oliveira with nine. So I think that played the biggest factor in him jumping
0: six spots. I agree, but who's next for him? I
1: still think him and Chandler makes a lot of sense. Uh, if you don't go with Chandler, Gaethje's available, at least from what we know. Uh, I don't really know. That's kind of like the biggest question mark in this division right now is what's going on with Justin Gaethje. Uh, he even said it was an interview, I believe it was with MMA, MMA fighting or MMA junkie. Don't quote me. It's one of those two. He said he wouldn't even be surprised if potentially the timeline lines up in his favor to where he might squeak in and get a title shot before Connor or Dustin. And you know why I think that's a long shot? I see where he's coming from just because of like contract negotiations with those yeah. two, especially a guy like Connor. And now being ranked third, I mean, you can justify it a lot easier too.
0: It's a good point. I'm going to stick with Michael Chandler. Um, a lot of that has to do with Benito Darius – said that he probably won't fight again until early next year. And I could see Michael Chandler taking some time off. He did get KO'd. So it kind of makes sense that he would take some time off. Uh, I I think that's an appropriate matchup next three versus four right now. Obviously that could change with a lot of matchups being made over the course of this year, but uh, you could say Justin Gaethje, but, Part of me wonders if what Benil was saying about that title shot might mm-hmm. actually be in the cards for Justin Gaethje. Maybe he'll be able to squeak in and get the first, be the first uh, guy to go up against Oliveira as champion. So, I'm just I'm not quite uh, ready to put Gaethje with their use yet. I don't think.
1: Yeah, that that's a good point. I like how you mentioned Gaethje could potentially get that uh, ability to slide in as well. It really, you know, it's a feel good story, though. You got to feel good for Benil. Paid in full, now seven in a row. He's felt he's deserved this respect for a long time, and here we are. He's finally getting that.
0: Correct. Now, next, this is Athens. Athens in all caps on Reddit asked. Well, first, they made it clear they rewatched Colby versus Usman again recently. Um, what a war. And <laughs> yeah. they wondered how the rematch would go. Usman keeps getting better, but Colby has that weird motivational spite to him. Now, it's what's been very clear about these two is since their first fight, Kamara Usman coming out on top, still the champion, has been a much more active fighter than Colby Covington has been since then. Right, I believe. I believe uh, Kamaru's fought three times since that fight, two to, against Mosvidal, once against Burns. Colby's fought once, and that was the Tyron Woodley. So how does a rematch go? Because we see Kamaru improving a lot. His striking looks so clean. He's dominating everyone. Now he's in GOAT discussions. People are comparing him to GSP, while Colby sure dominated Tyron Woodley for five rounds, but that had already been done. By Gilbert Burns and Kamara Usman before him, and I mean Colby kind of did it in a fashion that people expected. Does Cole, as, Are we? Do we really see this fight maybe being just as close as the first one, or has Kamara improved too much?
1: Well, here's the thing: we have seen Kamara more uh, since that first mm-hmm. fight, obviously. But my biggest like headline here is that Kamaru Usman did get a TKO against Colby and that was before he was anywhere near the striker he is now. That's That's my biggest thing going off of that first fight, man. I mean, this dude is straight-up dangerous. He just one-punch KO'd Jorge Masvidal. People don't do that to Jorge Masvidal. So, in that regard, man, it's just so hard to pick against a guy like Kamaru. I mean, it's hard to pick against Colby, too, but when Kamaru's already gotten the best of him once and was via KOTKO KO-TKO without Trevor Whitman in his corner... I think we might see a similar back-and-forth fight, but not going into five rounds, man. I think he gets stopped sooner, regardless of who wins, as a matter of fact. But I would still I, lean toward Kamaru way early prediction.
0: It's weird that now when I look at that matchup, I almost feel like Kamaru is the striker and Colby is the wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> like, Don't get me wrong, Kamaru's wrestling is fantastic, but – Compared to the first matchup where it was like, okay, we got two really solid wrestlers going at it. Now you got a guy in Kamaru who kind of does it all, but is really showing improvements in his striking. While Colby's still not much of a striker, but he does have a lot of output and puts a lot of pressure on people. Awesome wrestler. I almost wonder if Colby's game plan would be to try to out-wrestle Kamaru Usman if it came to that.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. And it again, we have seen Kamaru more since the first fight. Colby did look better than ever against Woodley, to his credit. Did get the stoppage. It was kind of via injury, but Colby put it on him. Uh, It's definitely, it's never going to be a dull fight with those two, no matter when that rematch occurs. There's just no way. There's too much hatred, too much of a rivalry, too much skill between two guys. I mean, these guys are the top of 170 pounds, like there's a clear gap right now between those two and everyone else.
0: I would definitely say that Colby is always going to be Kamaru's toughest fight Yeah. until one day we assume Kamaru loses to somebody, whether it's Colby or someone else. I mean, as far as who's available now, I think Colby's always going to be the toughest fight for Usman at this point. 100%. And obviously... Vice versa. Yeah, also true. (laughs) Next up, Stark371. Uh-oh. This is probably my my favorite out of all of these. Okay. I'm I'm excited for this one. Which unlikely fighter who is not currently in the talks for a title fight do you expect will be a champion one day? This obviously is alluding to Charles Oliveira, who kind of really in 2020 – burst down to the scene. I mean, obviously, the guy's been around for a long time. A lot of people know who he is. But in 2020, that was when he fought, got his first ranked win over Kevin Lee at lightweight anyways. And then Tony Ferguson went, then wins the title fight over Chandler. Before that, that, even after the Kevin Lee win, nobody was talking about Charles Oliveira for a title shot. It wasn't until he beat Tony Ferguson that he finally kind of got his due. So is there a guy right now that sticks out to you as being someone we're not talking about for title fights who maybe this time next year will be the realistic option to be next up for someone's title?
1: I mean, is the obvious answer Islam Makhachev at 155 pounds?
0: <laughs> that's a great one. I wasn't even – see, I've, I was struggling to think of people. So that's – I mean, that's – yeah. Fantastic. I mean, he's,
1: he's like one of the highest – uh, prospects that we've seen in the UFC in recent years, especially right now, also at 155 pounds with Oliveira. He is ranked 10th. So, I mean, he's relevant, but still not necessarily in title talks right now. But man, one or two more, I mean, this guy's going to be right up there with these elite guys. It's only a matter of time. It's about him getting the right opponents, getting those ranked fighters to get his name out there more so than anything else because we know the skills there. We've seen it time and time again now in the UFC.
0: I'm going to throw out a name. Um, man. The first name that came to me was in the welterweight division, actually, that Usman is the champion of uh, Vicente Luque. Ooh, I LV. love that. Yeah, that's a guy we're both big fans of Luque. Has he had a couple stumbles on his way to the top? Yes. I mean, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson uh, put on a really just a showcase against him. Oh, but, yeah. He does improve every time out, and he's such a tough out. That's the thing. Wonderboy said it hurt his hand more than it probably hurt Luke's head punching it. (laughs) He broke his hand punching him in the head. It's crazy. luke has got a crazy chin. He does have some good power, good jiu-jitsu. The guy's really talented, really young, still, still improving every time out. Another one that would uh, – you know, there's probably – I'm going to give two more. These are guys that have kind of stumbled over the course of the past year, but I think by this time next year, they kind of reestablished themselves as the prospects we thought they were. Okay. And all reach their full potential. Bantamweight division, Sean O'Malley.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good one.
0: And this one could change depending on what happens this Saturday – the middleweight division's Edmund Shabazian.
1: Yeah, those are two great choices, man, especially Edmund. This guy had so much hype going into that uh, main event with Brunson, man, undefeated at the time and everything, mm. too. I, I really like that one, especially with how tough middleweight is, but also still kind of wide open just because Izzy has beaten so many of those top-ranked guys already. I, I think that's a solid choice. And even a guy that I love and Sadiq Youssef, you know how big I am on him at the feather yeah. men's featherweight division. Uh, we could see him coming for a title within the next year, even uh, as well.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. Next up, Sandman twenty six eighteen. He starts this uh, question by being a little, uh, a little. Um, <laughs> how do I want to word this? Um, um, rude. Vulgar. <laughs> yeah, vulgar. Yeah. Um, I won't I won't repeat what he puts here, but it's T V M A. Ultimately, what his question is are you know, essentially we're halfway through the year. So what are the front runners for fight of the year right now?
1: Mm.
0: I think there's two.
1: There's three to me. I,
0: three, yeah. Um the first one that came to mind and probably the front runner for me is Yuri Prohaska versus Dominic Reyes.
1: Yeah, one million percent.
0: I think there's two off of last Saturday's card, actually.
1: Two off of last week's. Oh well, yeah, Burgos and Barboza.
0: Burgos and Barboza, because that ended up getting fight of the night. So I feel weird not putting that on there. True, but I my personal fight of the night was Oliveira Chandler.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, round of the year, round one. I mean, that might that versus. I mean, you're talking round of the year, Yuri and Dom had a hell of a round two, So yeah,
1: have fun picking between those two rounds. <laughs>
0: Um, another one, uh, Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater was a what a showcase that was. Yeah, I, I think it might be too one sided to really be a fight of the year.
1: Performance of the point, year,
0: performance of the year for sure. And as of now, I mean, it's up there. Weirdly enough, is this a hot take? Um, we haven't seen like a ton of uh, a ton of like wars and stuff, you know. And I and I know uh, you know we're only halfway there sure there'll be a bunch more and i'm not saying that the fights have been bad by any means it's just i'm like trying to think of fights of the year and it's um julian marquez and mackie patola was a really good fight that was a good fight um actually not uh, kind of an underrated one that just happened would be uh diego Fajera fighting um gregor gillespie
1: yeah and even him and Daryush was an incredible fight too. yep
0: true true so i mean my personal pick though is going to be giri and dom
1: yeah man i think i'm gonna have to agree with you uh that fight was so nuts although it ended so convincingly as did really all three which is kind of odd when we're talking fight of the year but max dominated cater for five rounds cater had his moments uh and then yuri and uh, dominic reyes was absolute just pandemonium for two rounds absolutely nuts and then Chandler uh, and only Vera, the craziest five minutes and 19 seconds of my freaking life. I know that much. But yeah, I think so far, what are we, halfway through May? I'm going to go Dominic Reyes and Yuri Prohaska for fight of the year for now.
0: And that's just a two round war. It's crazy. And it's isn't just it? a two
1: round fight. It's crazy.
0: So transitioning, I said that the last one had some vulgar language. This guy, <laughs> this person's name. Oh, boy. Captain. Cumsoc 69.
1: We're all about creativity, though. You know, we got to respect. Yeah,
0: A plus for that. He asked if Connor loses to Dustin in July, where does he go from here? The easy answer is Diaz. But in all honesty, I think that's, and this is him talking, I think that's a last resort fight for him. Well, Captain Cumsoc, let me tell you. <laughs> I actually disagree. I think that uh if he does lose, I look for Connor if he continues fighting, because inevitably retirement's gotta be on the brain at that point, right? Yeah. I mean what Especially else does the guy you... what else does he have to prove, you know, at this point.
1: Yeah, and when you're selling your whiskey for six hundred and sixty million dollars, <laughs> that helps yeah.
0: too. Yeah, that doesn't I'm sure he'll cry from his loss by wiping his <laughs>
1: yeah. tears
0: with hundred dollar bills. Yeah. I'm gonna Say if he continues fighting, I think he's done at lightweight at that point. I think okay. he actually commits to moving up to welterweight, and that starts with Nate Diaz trilogy fight. Nate's about to fight Leon Edwards here next month. We, I know, you know whether you think he'll win or lose that fight. That that kind of shows that he is still a player in that division. I mean, he's going up against a number three ranked guy in the whole division. So if he wins. I mean Diaz might be looking at a title shot and then that makes that fight even more realistic because it's a winnable fight for Conor but also the name value and that kind of carries Nate Diaz is makes it a bigger win than maybe most other contenders that might be harder fights for him in both divisions so it's interesting what do you what do you think
1: So you think a permanent move to 170 in general?
0: I think he'll be done at lightweight if he loses to Dustin. If you really look at it, his last win was against Cowboy Cerrone at 170. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Sure, before that, he went up to – or he was at 155 and beat Eddie Alvarez. But then, like, at 170, you've had some of his best performances. The Nate Diaz second fight – True. And then that Cowboy Cerrone performance was fantastic. So I just foresee maybe him saying that, well, this is my division now. And, you know, he'll pivot in that direction because he's been more successful at 170 than he has probably at lightweight at that point, which is weird to say, considering he was a champion.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely think if he <clears throat> loses, Nate is like the fight weight class. Um, Again, might depend on what Nate does against Leon Edwards because, man, the UFC would go bonkers if Nate were to beat Leon, somehow beat Usman, become the 170-pound champ. Connor <laughs> wins or loses against Dustin, goes up to 170, yeah. fights Nate in the trilogy for a belt. I mean, could you imagine? Could you let's just not get, imagine?
0: Let's, let's not get carried away with Nate beating Usman. I'm not ready for that. I, I, I'm, I'm not just ready so- for that sounds like fan fiction to me.
1: Well, I'm going fan fiction. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so that's just kind of one crazy scenario. But I do think regardless, we've been wanting to see this trilogy for so long, it has to happen, man. So that's, that's what I think would happen uh, if he loses to Dustin in July.
0: Okay. Next up from TC110, they ask, how does the UFC go about promoting Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis, two. Do they just pretend the first fight didn't happen altogether? Now, I know that this is kind of funny to ask this, but I actually think it's a legitimate question to be asked here. I mean, what do we what do we look for in the promotion for this fight?
1: Well, you know, I said this on Monday. The fight can't get worse than the first one. At least you wouldn't think if it does. (laughs) Holy (laughs) shit. We're going to fall asleep. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can ignore it because then you got to think if Nganu can win. They're technically tied one-to-one. You have a potential trilogy. If Derek beats Francis, it's like, oh, crap, this dude's for real. He's beaten Francis twice, yada, yada, yada. I don't know if you can necessarily ignore it. But when we see promo videos for the pay-per-view, uh, you're not going to see many highlights from that first fight. I'll put it that way.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually think they might ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> I think they might still bill it as Nganu versus Lewis two. Maybe they'll even mention that Derek Lewis won the first fight. So this is kind of a redemption arc for Francis Nganu. Right. But – I mean, even if you're looking to, like, put little clips in the hype videos and stuff, I mean, what are you going to find? Like, a couple jabs here and there? Like, that's it. That's true. So I think they are going to kind of ignore it, and maybe they'll just focus on the punching power of both men, how there's no way this fight goes five rounds, you know, stuff like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, very common for heavyweight fights, so I, I don't think they'll have a problem promoting it. I mean, it's probably a good problem to have, I guess, is that. You know, there's so much more they can market this fight on besides the fact that they fought before and it was a bad fight. True. Yeah, I, I think that they might ignore it.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if they did. <laughs> I, I just those guys are too explosive, too powerful. You gotta think this second fight could be better with so so much on the line this time too. We're talking for mm-hmm. titles, for gold, for glory. Man, I think someone gets knocked out in that second fight.
0: I Well, I I shouldn't say I hope so, but I I mean, I just don't want it to be as bad as the first one. Imagine those (laughs) two
1: guys just have a five-round war.
0: Could you imagine? (laughs) They they have, like, Whitaker versus Romero. Yeah. Like, Diaz versus McGregor type war. They just
1: completely flipped the switch from the
0: first one. I I can't even fathom that. (laughs) Anyways... Joss AFC there you go. As is right now the first time in Max Holloway's career where he has a serious chance of capturing lightweight gold. Obviously, this question was asked following yeah. Charles Oliveira's win on Saturday. So I guess a lot of this is kind of asking what Holloway's chances against Oliveira is, but um, I don't know. What What do you think here?
1: I don't think it's easy for Max right now at 155 simply because the division is just too top-heavy. It's too stacked. Like, Can you really just throw Max in for a title fight like you did for that interim against Dustin a couple years back? It ain't going to work that way right now. There's too many big fights happening, too much movement going on at the top. Um, I will say he he is at a weird spot at featherweight right now simply because he did lose to Volk twice. But then he has that performance against Cater where it's like, how can you even deny this guy a title fight again? Like,
0: yeah,
1: it's, it's he's in the weirdest spot of his career. That much I will say. But I don't think he's at the easiest point uh, in terms of fighting for a title. One hundred and fifty-five. I still think that if he wants to move to one hundred and fifty-five, he has to dedicate his lifestyle toward it, like we're seeing John Jones do with heavyweight. That's what it it's going to take. Not just a one-off like he did with Dustin. We need a complete dedication for multiple months, six, eight months, like we've seen from John almost a year now with John. That's what we need to see. But does he have the skill set to compete with any of those guys? Yes, 100% agree. It's more so getting his body ready uh, for those bigger dudes at 155. Because when he fought Dustin, look at the difference in frame. We're talking wide body, Dustin Poirier. It was so noticeable. Uh, But I can't say I – uh, I'm not excited to see him go back to 155 because I think it is inevitable at some point.
0: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm definitely. I think we're we're on the same pretty pretty equivalent, I guess, thoughts here. I as far as the question itself, I guess I would say no because. I felt like Max has always had a pretty serious chance of capturing gold. I mean, I know the fight with Poirier, Poirier was the clearly bigger guy clearly won that fight, but Dustin might today be the best lightweight in the world. We don't know because he chose to fight Connor a third time instead of going for the title. So if he loses to the best lightweight in the world, it's like, okay, well, I think you have a pretty serious chance if you beat everybody else. So, uh, he has fought Charles Oliveira before when they were both featherweights. True. That fight did uh, te- got stopped in a minute and a half because Oliveira shot for a takedown, kind of whiffed, fucked um, up his um, what do you call it, the esophagus,
1: esophagus,
0: yeah, like he Adam's
1: apple,
0: <laughs> yeah, he like cut something in an esophagus, like kind of cut off his breathing, so like the fight immediately got stopped about a minute and a half into the first round. So you didn't really get to see anything. But I think as far as a matchup between these two, I mean, that's that's really interesting because yeah. you look at the kind of the the boxing clinic that Max put on Calvin Cater, and for all of Olivera's strengths, I wouldn't say one of them is his, is his uh, striking defense necessarily, his head movements not – um, always it's not consistent he had moments where he had really good uh, bob and weave moments in the the Chandler fight but yeah he has been known to kind of keep his chin up and things like that he did get caught by Chandler in that fight however if only is able to you know overpower Max if Max's body's not really transformed to that frame of a true lightweight I think only might kind of treat him like he did the Tony Ferguson and just manhandle him around the octagon a little bit if he can get his hands on him
1: yeah that's a good point um really the physique of both guys are pretty similar like you said mm. complete opposite styles i will go as far to say that <clears throat> max's ground game is severely underrated because we don't really see it get used much offensively or defensively but when we're talking charles Oliveira, that dude's still another level compared to all these <laughs> other guys so yeah it's definitely <laughs> intriguing
0: I mean you're talking good ground game versus Impeccable. one of the best, one of the best yeah. submission specialists, the best if you the go best. off numbers in UFC history. Next question's gonna involve a little bit of boxing. but oh, not really. You don't say. <laughs> but not really. How do you feel Clarissa Shields will transition to MMA? We've never seen a boxer of her caliber make the switch. Closest is Holly Holm, and she became a champ and top-tier fighter. That does come from Harold Titus four two five.
1: I'm excited. Um, mm. I think it's a good thing. Obviously, she's starting in the PFL, which is a big organization to make your debut in MMA professionally. True. However, they're like her first fight, for example. I think she's three and five or something like that. So it's not mm-hmm. this incredibly. Like, amazing fighter. It's going to be a good test for Clarissa for us all to see where she's at. Can she reach the heights that that we saw from Holly Holm? Uh, Man, I don't know, because Holly Holm also had that kickboxing background. She was a world champion boxer and kickboxer, so that puts her a level above. I will say, hand-specific, though, Clarissa is a different beast. It's a matter of can she put it all together, because she's making her debut way quicker than I expected. I did not expect it to happen early on, less than a year in. But she's at Jackson Wink. She's training with a bunch of champions over there. John Jones, Michelle Watterson, Holly Holm even is one of her training partners. So if there's anyone that can do it with a camp like that behind them, it would be Clarissa Shields. I'm definitely excited. That's just a few weeks away now as well, June 10th, I believe. So uh, I'm excited. That I can say for sure.
0: Let's be honest, Dom. If, if the expectation is for her to be somewhat, you know, like Holly Holm, you're just asking her to fail. <laughs> I mean, there's, it's that's so high of expectations to put on her. I get it. She is an incredible boxer. But, I mean, this is all – all these other aspects of MMA are going to be brand new to her for the most part. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure maybe she's, you know, a time or two – worked on maybe some wrestling or some jiu-jitsu or kickboxing, whatever, Muay Thai, you know, maybe she has dabbled a little bit, but come on, man. I mean, we're essentially looking at a incredible boxer, but everywhere else it's CM Punk.
1: Yeah. Gosh, just be a dick about it, Noah. No, I'm just kidding. I I
0: mean, I, I know, I'm sure she's taking it very serious. She's at a good camp. Yep. And, I, and I do think that over time, and by time, I'm talking multiple years. That's what it she takes. Will, yeah, she can become a very adequate or even good, especially in the PFL. What I don't want to see is just because of her name value, if she wins two or three fights, all of a so sudden sure she's being – Yeah, because, I mean, it's very obvious that a fight with Kayla Harrison could do big money for the PFL, but – it's a that, might, idea. that would be terrible for Shields' development as an MMA fighter. Just yeah, you,
1: you can't do something like that. Uh, what are your thoughts on her debuting You know, less than a year after full-time MMA training? Were you kind of caught off guard by that too?
0: I was I was at first until I saw kind of the caliber of opponent she's getting. I mean, it's a pretty low-level opponent. Um, someone with more losses than wins. None of them yeah. in very prominent organizations, so – Um, you know, it's, if she wants to get in there, then by all means, give her opponents like this, let her gain some confidence, work on some of these skills that she's still developing on the ground or anywhere else. And ultimately let her kind of box the shit out of these women who've never boxed a day in their lives or whatever. I don't, um, I, 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 I'm, I guess I was a little surprised though. I thought it might take her more time, but I'm, I think I'm glad all in all that she is going to be debuting sooner, even if it'll maybe look a little more sloppy on TV when she starts, but I'm, I'm expecting that I won't be too harsh on her. If it is fair enough. Next comes from big Nas 92. And this talks about our uh, highly anticipated rematch for the flyweight title next month. Ooh. If, if Davison loses the rematch, does Askar Askarov get a title shot, or will there be a trilogy right away? And I think the, what's most clear about this question is it kind of depends on the manner of victory. True, um, true. If, you know, I'm still – the big factor for me actually isn't even the outcome of this fight. It's when does Davis and planning to move up Bantam weight? Because I, I think that's in the cards for him here soon yeah, within think, the dude. next year. Uh because that weight cut, he's literally cutting a quarter of his body weight to make fly weight. That's yeah. that's that's stupid. Yeah, it's <laughs> not dangerous. I mean that that's what I mean. I mean, not I don't want to call him stupid, I just mean like that's a stupid amount of weight to be yeah. cutting. And he has shown, he has wore the effects of that. And I think that's even one of the reasons why. He, I mean, not that Brandon Moreno is a very capable opponent and had a great showing in their first fight, but both guys coming in fighting a month previous and Davis being the bigger guy already. I mean, don't tell me that two weight cuts in 30 days when you're cutting a quarter uh, of your weight. That played such a huge factor in
1: that fight.
0: It has to. So for me, I, 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 if, I if you had to make me answer on the spot, because that's kind of the point here, right? We're not supposed to be kind of like, ooh, I don't know. We're beating we'll around the bush. Yeah, we need to we need to take a guess here, right? We're the yeah. experts. <laughs> we're the Joes. Yeah, we're the Joes. Yeah. Um, My guess would be that there will, will not be an immediate rematch if Davison loses. I think Davison moves up to Bantamweight, regardless of the outcome of this fight, actually.
1: Oh, you think win or lose he goes up?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think he does.
1: I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, because if he he actually, if he wins this, I mean, he's essentially going to become one of the stars, especially of the lower weight classes. So, Mm -hmm. honestly, I'm kind of right on board with you there. Win or lose, Davison may just be having his final fight at 125 uh, here in a few weeks against Moreno. Uh, hopefully we don't get another draw. I think we're going to get a very convincing victory, uh, no matter who comes out on top. I think it's going to be a finish. Uh, I think it's going to be a barn burner while it lasts, but I do think it's the last we see uh, Figgy at 125 pounds.
0: Nice. I'm glad we're on the same page for that one. That's something that I think a lot of people aren't prepared for, but I'll be interested to see what the UFC does with the flyweight division if Davison does make that move, especially if he wins, if he, like, knocks out Brandon in the first round. Do you do Asghar versus Moreno, Ascar versus Pantoja? You know, ascar has got to be involved. So I guess if we want to talk about Asgard's place, I mean, I I definitely think he's the next guy. I don't think he should be fighting again until he gets his title shot. 100%. But, you know, if they do – if this fight's really close and they want to do a trilogy, I mean, it would be big for the division, all in all, because – you know, Davison really kind of put the division on his shoulders last year. And, yeah. you know, that war that him and Moreno had to cap off 2020 was incredible and really put a lot of eyes on the flyweight division that haven't been there in a long time, if ever. So now if you get a kind of another war or even just a awesome fight or, you know, a highlight real knockout, whatever yeah. – It'd be tempting for business and for that division's longevity to maybe run it back again. We'll see. I, I'm I'm sticking with my answer, though.
1: You make very valid points, but for the sake of time and for our uh, <coughs> imagination, I'll leave it there.
0: Yeah. And now comes the final topic of this episode, Tom
1: We've already done 12, Mike. I know.
0: It kind of flew by, didn't it? jeez This one is going to make you think a little bit. Bring it on. A Bobo 2020. A what? A Bobo 2020.
1: Bobo from Drake and Josh, the monkey? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm thinking of. Uh,
0: That that brought back some memories right there.
1: I can't help it. Anyways, Bobo, you're cool. Don't worry.
0: (laughs) If Habib and John Jones don't vacate their belts, are Charles Oliveira – and Jan Blahovic still champions? Well, um, <laughs> short answer no. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now let's go into a little more detail. Here's a hot take for you.
1: Okay.
0: Habib versus Charles Oliveira would be the fight that everyone wanted Habib versus Tony to be.
1: Ooh, yeah, I love that. I I think that fight would be absolutely nuts. I don't really know. I mean, I think I know what would happen because it's Habib at the end of the day. Because he's mesh. He, smash. Yeah, he's mesh. smash. But you can't doubt the intrigue, man. I mean, if you're talking someone who can test him on the ground or showing more problems than what he's ever seen, it would be Dubronks.
0: Just to be clear, I'm not saying that Habib and Tony wouldn't also be an awesome fight. I just think that it's clear that Charles has a clear advantage in the jiu-jitsu department. So if that fight goes to the ground and he's on his back, he's kind of in a one of, he's in his wheelhouse almost. Yeah. So it's an interesting dynamic. And then, you know, it's hard for me to really talk about Jan Blachowicz because as a lot of our listeners might be aware of, and as Dom, as my co-host, you are aware of, I'm, I got a complicated relationship with the Polish power. And he hates you. (laughs) I have counted him out every step of the way. Literally, since this man was born, I've been predicting him to lose. And he has won every time. This is true. This is why you should not take any sort of advice from me. But I still think John Jones wins that fight.
1: I mean... (laughs) <laughs> it's John Jones, man. We're ta- Habib and John, two of the greatest fighters we've ever seen uh, in the history of the sport. So it's hard to say either one of those guys would lose to Charles or Jan Blahovic. and it's no disrespect or slight to those two current champions. It's just the magnitude of how great both of Habib and John are, man. That's what it comes down to.
0: Yeah, it's – light heavyweight's definitely improving talent-wise, and Jan – has improved a lot and has been shown he's been kind of overlooked over his growth of the past year and a half, two years. But at the end of the day, I mean, when Jones was ruling this division, Jan Blachowicz was kind of floundering. So it's going to be hard for me to ever really look at that matchup and go, yeah, Blachowicz is winning that. Yeah. I just, I, I, Yeah, We think Jones is on a two-fight losing streak. We thought he lost to Tiago Santos and Dominic Reyes. But those two two gave Jones everything he could handle, and they still (laughs) lost on the judges' scorecards. And that's what ultimately matters. So if for nothing else, I think Jan is just going to lose because those damn judges ain't going to let him (laughs) win.
1: You think Chris Lee will be involved?
0: I think Chris Lee will – a hundred percent. Him and Sal D'Amato are already planning the robbery. Oh, boy, oh, boy. No, I'm just kidding. That's a podcast kidding. for another day. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Habib and Jones might be the two best MMA fighters of all time. So yeah. by saying Charles and Jan wouldn't be champions isn't a slight on them. It's just that's that's what – that, there's levels, man. It's That's greatness. It's,
1: it's greatness. That's exactly what I was about to say. They're two of the greatest
0: – who would you give a better chance? Like, if you if one of these two was going to do it, who would you predict to do it?
1: Jan Blachowicz, Polish power, and that's simply I I because agree. that's simply because we've seen John tested two fights in a row, really get taken to the brink, and we're seeing a, in his prime form right now, Jan Blahovic. As for Habib, he got better every title he He finished Connor in the fourth. Yeah. He finished Dustin in the third. He retired against Justin Gaethje and finished him in the second. I mean, that means technically that. he would have beat Charles in the first. I'm just kidding. It doesn't work <laughs> that way. But in if recency bias, I think you have to go Jan Blachowicz has a better chance.
0: Yeah, I, I think um, John Jones has shown kind of as he's getting a little older here, his offense isn't quite as potent as it used to be or as yeah. effective as it used to be. And he is he would be the the smaller guy of the two. Um, I don't think Jan necessarily finishes that fight, but Jan showed against Israel Adesanya he can go five rounds and True. still look pretty good in the later rounds. So, um, I don't know if he can take down John Jones. That's uh, something that he did against Adesanya pretty, pretty fluently. But I do think he, I think his offense actually. I mean, he showed how technical he can be too. He's not just Polish power. He's oh yeah, got, he's got some combinations that are very slick. So I and the
1: wrestling's there too.
0: So I do think out of the two, you got to say Jan has a better chance than Charles, even though I love Charles Oliveira, and I would love to see him get a chance to fight Habib. But I mean, a Habib smash.
1: Well, you know what's awesome about Charles and uh, Jan be being champs right now? Two of yeah. the best feel-good stories in quite some time in terms of new champions, and here they yeah. are reigning at the same time together. It's pretty
0: awesome. Yeah, that's a great point. But uh, that's going to wrap up today's edition of mma reddit roundtable
1: yes our (laughs) inaugural video podcast our inaugural mma reddit roundtable
0: (laughs) i have to say it like that because for some reason it's been messing me up all day trying to get that name right
1: we're gonna have like a tongue twister going but uh (laughs) this was a lot of fun i think this is something that uh fans will enjoy and something we can continue to build the community with as well. I hope you all enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought of it.
0: Let us know what you thought. Give us questions that we can answer on a, maybe for in a week or two, maybe we'll come back and do this again. Who knows? Depends on maybe the kind of support we get for this episode. If this is something you want to see more often, let us know. That's ultimately what's going to matter here. If you guys want to see it, we're going to give it to you. So, I mean, if this is something you want to see more of, let us know by liking this on YouTube or um, leaving comments on our social medias, letting us know you want to see more of this or if there's other ideas you have, if you want to see classic pay-per-view reviews come back in their original way, let us know. But that one's probably less likely to happen. I'm just saying that like, if, if, a hundred people tell me that I might have to listen to them. We got to give the people what they
1: want.
0: (laughs) Of course. But as for the rest of the week, Friday, it's preview time again, Dominic. The first time on video, Woo. and I mean, it, it had to be him, right? It had to be bantamweight boys number three and number yes. four. Yep. Rob Font versus Cody Garbrandt. Our best the friend. heavy hitters, the boxers of this division, going toe to toe. Gonna be a lot of fun there and we'll be able to discuss it all here. I believe it's a six-fight main card, so I think we'll have a lot to talk about along with any news that comes out between now and then. But uh, until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media.
1: I I just got to give a little note from the heart real quick. First video podcast had a blast. Uh, Hopefully those of you watching this on YouTube enjoyed it. Hopefully there's not too many kinks in the armor as we edit this and get it ready. Uh, no, it's our first time doing this. If there are kinks in the armor, we're going to improve it as much as possible. Bear with us during this new journey, but we're so happy to be starting it here with episode 100. Uh, now, enough of the sad talk. I'm going to cry. Uh, you sappy. can find yeah, the sappy talk. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram at DCLE 14 More importantly, you can find the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore M-M-A
0: podcast. And for me, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at N-T-Baker underscore. In my bio, there is a link to our link tree. In there, you'll find links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with the Below Average Joe social media platforms, and there's a couple of links for our anchor page, leaving a voice message. Like I said, if you leave a voice message, we'll include it in the episode and give you a shout out if you want, or leave you anonymous if you want. Yeah. There's also a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. Making improvements like these guys, you know, it's it's never gonna, you know, it, it right now. We're trying to stay you know, as cut cost as much as we can. We're not trying to be accumulating a bunch of costs right now. But if you guys want to support us as we still are trying to improve this podcast each and every day, there's a link there to do so. I can't plug, put you know. I used to say someday down the line doing a video podcast. Well, we're here, so well shit. What do we say now? So thank you guys for your support. But uh, can we can we do a little more? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again,
1: to
0: uh, the moon, to the moon, to the moon. Just like Dogecoin. But with that, we're out, and we'll see y'all on Friday.